Some of you need to open up your mouth and go ahead and speak it. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes we act like we're afraid to say anything because if we say it and God... First of all, you're not going to say anything too big for God to do, number one. Number two, many times all God's waiting on for me to do is just speak it because he's already declared it. And until I get in agreement with him and start speaking it, it's never going to come to pass. Some of you need to look over your life right now and realize how blessed you are. You ought to testify tonight of something that God has done for you, that it could only have been God. It wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just a happenstance. Come on. Yeah, you ought to thank him right now for that. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. bless you we bless you man i feel victory here tonight amen it's so good to see you turn and high five somebody and tell them oh you look good in the house of the lord tonight amen you look really good praise god we're delighted tonight to have missionaries brother and sister reeves with us from greece and uh their two children isaac is the son and the daughter is lilian and i think uh lilian may be singing with her mom is that right awesome we want to welcome them and we want to open our heart to what god wants to share with us about the work of God around the world. Brother Reeves, come on. We're glad that you're here and uh, the church is open. Whatever you feel the Lord lead you to do. Well, praise the Lord, greater life. What an honor it is to be here with you on this beautiful Sunday night. It just feels good in the house of the Lord. I like the presence of God that is here. Just in case you haven't visited other places lately, it's not like this everywhere. You have a lot to be thankful for just with the purity of the Holy Ghost that's here. What an amazing God we serve. I give, you can be seated, I give honor to Pastor Hughes and also to Brother Long, correct? It's not a very long name, but it is. I had to go there, sorry. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Brother Hughes, for allowing us to be here. We count it an honor. And I do want my family to come, and they're going to, we'll see what they do. I can't tell you exactly what will happen every time they come up here, but some of it's predictable, some's not. What an honor it is to worship with you tonight. Thank you so much, Brother and Sister Hughes, for having us here and letting us share what the Lord has called us to do 
We serve such an awesome God. Amen. That he would choose to use us to do his work for his kingdom. When I was 12 years old is when I was called to be a missionary. And I was actually on the mission field at the time. My dad was a missionary and he was preaching in the jungles of Ecuador where we lived. We didn't live in the jungles, but we had traveled to the jungles. And um, we were in a small, humble church, dirt floors, um, wood pews, plywood platform. But it was there that the Lord spoke to my heart when I knelt on the pew after the sermon. And he said, would you be a missionary for me one day? And I said, yes. And now, many years later, here we are answering that call. My husband was called when he was a teenager. And we are so honored to do his work. The people, the Greek-speaking people that he has called us to are a beautiful people. They have beautiful souls, but they have no clue what the Lord can do in their lives. And so that's our job, is to, to let them know, to take his gospel and his light to them. Amen. I'm going to let the kids introduce themselves. Third grade. Um, I forgot. Your name. I forgot. You want to tell your name? I don't know. (laughs) And this is our precious Isaac, who is four. These are our treasures from heaven that we're so thankful to have on this journey with us. Um, I do want to tell you a little bit about our table up back. We're a family of artists, and I paint. The kids paint. My husband takes photographs, and so we have some prints available of what you see out there on on the table. And we also have some things for sale from around the world, so please stop by. We have bookmarks that we would love for you to take, and remember to pray for us. The uncomfortable part of deputation is that the purpose is to raise funds to return to the field. So I'm going to tell you about that deputation thing. If you would pull up the slide, Um, we have two parts to this fundraising. One is what we call the PIMs or the partners in missions, and that takes care of monthly support for groceries, any kind of monthly expense that we have, fuel in our car. Um, It keeps us on our knees because it is a trust journey with the Lord. So that's the monthly side of things. And then we have the one-time projects that we're raising, and we have six projects. Um, Four of those, praise the Lord, have been taken care of. We're so thankful to him for that. Amen. (laughs) But these are just kind of one-time things for each term, and my husband will tell you more about that when it's time. So that's the, the what we do for deputation. And now I want to share with you a testimony of the why. Why we do it. If you would pull up the other photograph, please. We lived in Cyprus for almost two years, and I would go walking in the mornings early at sunrise oftentimes because that was my time alone with the Lord. And one particular day, it was cloudy and gloomy, but the sunrise, beautiful, brilliant sunrise, broke through the clouds. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, broken things let the light through. (laughs) Now to my husband's photograph of the clay vessel. The Bible makes a beautiful analogy 
of us being clay vessels that are formed on the potter's wheel. The master potter forms us. But sometimes the clay is marred in the hands of the potter. And even after the firing, we're broken. Life will break you in some way in this cruel world. But what God was reminding me of that day is that broken things can let his light through. And he can actually make something very beautiful out of those broken places. He wants to use us even in our broken state. The key is we have to give ourselves back to him. We have to put those broken pieces in his hands and he will make something beautiful out of them. So if you're enduring brokenness tonight in some way, God wants you to know that he wants to make something beautiful out of it and that he can use you. And this is also the message that we are to take to the Greek-speaking people. The light of his salvation can shine through them in a beautiful way. So we invite you to be a part of what God is doing in Greece. Now, Liliana and I like to sing in Spanish and English and in Greek, so we're going to sing a song about trusting in the Lord. He is our hiding place.
Aren't you thankful that you can trust in the Lord tonight? He's such a faithful God, isn't he? slides. The Lord called us to the nation of Greece back in 2015. And it was in 2016 that he opened the door for us to go there for the very first time. Again in 2017 as we began working for the Lord among the Greek people. Then it was in 2019 he opened the door for us to go to Cyprus where we spent the next couple of years as furlough replacements for the missionaries who were there, were in the States on deputation at the time, and also learning the Greek language on a full-time basis. We had uh, amazing times uh, in the Lord there, endured all of the COVID lockdowns during that time, uh, but God was good to us. Greece is a nation that is very rich in biblical history. You have the cities of Corinth, Athens, Berea, Thessalonica, Philippi, the island of Patmos where John was exiled. You have the island of Crete where Titus was. That's where our family is located. And it's a nation that is very rich in biblical history. But through the process of time, something can happen in the generational transition as a church is passed on from one generation to the next if we do not entirely, faithfully, and purely pass on this truth to the next generation. It's a very vulnerable time in that transition. And we look at Greece today and all of those cities that had powerful churches. Today, it's a nation that has to be re-evangelized. What a sobering reminder. I don't want that to be said of my city if the Lord tarries. But uh, a little bit about the work there. There's a very dynamic, powerful, spiritually mature, uh, lots of wonderful things I could say about it, uh, international work that consists of, just in one church alone, consists of around 30 different nationalities. And just this week, there were 23 people in the national conference that were filled with the Holy Ghost. I just found that out today. And so it's a, it's a dynamic uh, church work, to say the least, where we have the greatest need for focus in what God has called our family to focus on. Specifically, our calling is among the Greek people. The Greeks have historically been a very difficult people to reach. This is just reality. Um, it's not a cop-out, but several reasons why this is the case. And I believe primarily it is because their, their cultural identity has been so closely tied to their religious tradition. For centuries now, if you're Greek, you're Orthodox. It's what defined you as a people as a culture, but just in case you haven't noticed, we're living in 2022, and things are a little different, and there is a characteristic of this generation that I believe personally is God-ordained, just 
hang with me for a minute, and that is a questioning of everything. Now, we look at this characteristic here in North America, especially in the church, and we say this is a great hindrance and drawback, and it can be a detriment to the church if we're not careful and handle it well. But for us and many other nations, this is our wide open door of opportunity because this generation is not interested in a cultural identity as much as they are interested in something that will carry them in the uncertain days that we're living in. And so we're seeing God pour out His Spirit among the Greeks like we haven't seen in modern day. Today we have 42 Greeks in the Greek Bible school. We haven't ever had that. And so we fast forward that to this graduating class and we have got a powerful group of people ready to work for God in their own culture, in their own tongue, in their own nation. And so we're excited to be working for God in 2022. Yes, it's got its challenges, but with every challenge comes a greater victory. And that's what we're seeing among the Greek people. And so to get there, as my wife mentioned, we have a couple of things that we are only thing that's standing between us and getting back is the sad reality of it. Uh, and that is partners in missions. We are uh, just a handful of partners in missions away from being able to go back. If every church between now and the end of the year can partner with us that we visit, every church that we visit, then we'll be done by the end of the year. And so we're excited to get back. If you feel led of the Lord, to participate in that. I know God will bless you. The other side of this is our projects. And the project we are focusing on right now, don't run the aisles. It's equipment. That's the response that I have been getting lately. But let me explain what this equipment project will do. So up until this point, if you were going to attend Bible school in Greece, you moved your family, you left your job, uh, you went to the city of Athens, and you stayed there for several years going through Bible school. And this is great for the people that it works for, but it is impractical for many people who have established lives and families and careers and are working in a local church that is not in Athens. And so the Lord has laid on our hearts, my family, to create with the appropriate equipment a satellite Bible school campus in every church building that we have in the nation of Greece. There's 227 inhabited islands, and with the help of the Lord, we're going to have a church on every one of them. We already have a church on several. And so... To make the Bible school training available to all of them, we are, with equipment, going to make a satellite Bible school campus out of every church building. In our estimate, it's imperfect, I admit, but our, the best estimate we can do with the exchange rate and what we think it will cost is about $2,000 per church to get all of this set up on a reasonable basis. And so we have about... $11,000 left to raise for that project. And if you feel led of the Lord to contribute to that, I know that God will bless that as well. I'm excited 
to be working for God in the last days. And time is of the essence. And I don't want there to be hindrances in the work that we can circumvent with the technology that God has given us. And so this is our vision for this ever so spiritual equipment project. So if you would, this evening, would you stand with me and let's ask the Lord, uh, let's talk to the Lord about Greece and ask him, let's bind together and ask him to pour out his spirit in that land, even now. In the name of Jesus, God, we come to you t together right now. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing across the world. We pray together in unity, God, for the nation of Greece. I pray that your spirit would be loosed. God, I pray that you would order our footsteps. God, that you would guide us, lead us to those who are hungry. I pray that you would open the doors that no man can shut. In the name of Jesus, we know you're doing a work in this last day, God, and I pray that you would extend that throughout the entire nation of Greece as we see revival poured out as your coming is near. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. You can turn your, in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter number 16. And I'm going to share with you a story this evening. Just bear with me, okay? I want to take you and immerse you in another part of the world tonight, if the Lord will help us and speak to us tonight. It was around the year 50 A.D., the Apostle Paul began his second missionary journey, and he had initially planned when he leaves Antioch, which was his sending church, uh, he initially planned to travel to the churches that he had established in modern-day Turkey uh, just to revisit those churches, see where they are, and help them along. But he gets to a coastal city by the name of Troas, and he's on his way with Silas, who's traveling with him, and the Lord gives him a vision in the night. This is where our reading picks up. The Bible says in Acts 16 and 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. See how easy that is to read over? The Amplified Version uh, sheds a little bit more light on it the desperation of these people. Whenever it says there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with Paul, saying, please come and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. One more verse of scripture in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. This is a very unrelated scripture, but if the Lord will help us, I'm going to pull them together. Um, here Samuel, the prophet, is at the house of Jesse, looking to anoint the next king over Israel. And he's going through the sons of Jesse, and the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature. I know what it looks like. I know what you're going to see. And I know what you're going to begin to think might be the will of God. It says, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. 
If we could just catch that. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. It's not a, it's not a criticism. It's just a fact. We're limited in our understanding. We're limited in our perspective without God giving us His vision. And so, many have asked, why Greece? Perhaps one of you in this room have. You can ask that. Because people say, aren't there other cultures that are more receptive? Aren't there other people who are uh, in greater need? The answer is probably about more open, yes, there are. But the Lord has given us a vision for these people, and I pray that he'll give you a vision for those that you're working with as well. You can be seated this evening. So here Paul is on his journey, and he gets to Troas, and he sees this vision. Immediately, as God gives him this vision, he begins to feel the needs of the people. It's a people who don't even know exactly what they need. They're not sure what they're crying out for. It's a very generic cry for help, nothing specific. But in their cry for help, Paul is a, a man that is very sensitive to God and led by the Spirit. He understands exactly what these people are crying out for. And so rather than continuing down his intended path that would have taken him through modern-day Turkey, he feels like God is using this cry, this plea for help to change his uh, plan, to give him a new direction. And so uh, he shortly tells Silas, who is traveling with him, about the vision that he had seen. And uh, they readily agree that this is from the Lord and that they must respond to this plea for help. Now, Paul doesn't know exactly where he's going. He's not sure what city to go to. He's not sure who he's looking for specifically. Uh, he just knows that he must go into Macedonia, there into northern Greece as it is today. And so they make their way into what the Bible calls the chief city of Macedonia. This was Philippi. The Bible tells us that they went into the city and they just began to hang out for a while. They didn't know their way around town. They didn't know people in this city. They just knew that somewhere in this city there was a hunger for the Lord because God had given him a vision of these people. And so they began to wait on the Lord to give them the next step once they arrived in this region where they had seen this vision. And so on the Sabbath day, as they are waiting on God, they go to a place outside the city and they feel like maybe we should just have a prayer meeting as we wait on the Lord. Because it's always good when you're waiting on the Lord to talk to Him. He's never going to clarify His direction whenever we're not spending time with Him. That's just on the side. That's the potatoes, okay? Or the corn, whichever you prefer. And so they sit down by a river outside the city of Philippi. 
And they begin to talk to the Lord. And next thing they know, there's a woman who shows up there at the river. And the Bible says she believes in God. She believes that Jesus is her salvation and her hope. But she didn't quite have the fullness of truth just yet. She was a believer. She was religious, if you will. But she was missing something specific and something very important. And so Paul and Silas begin to speak to her right there by that river. And uh, she was very open to the word of God. She was hungry for the Lord and they baptized her right there in Jesus name for the remission of her sins and Lydia was her name she becomes the very first convert that we have record of in Greece and really in modern day Europe as a whole it was just a little lady at a river but it sparked a revival that began to spread throughout that entire region and so sometime after this Paul and Silas were headed back out of town and uh, they realized it worked one time. We'll try it again. And so they're making their way through the city to get to the outskirts. And uh, there was this young lady that the Bible says was following after them day after day. And she was uh, consumed with a spirit of divination. She was being used by her slave masters to bring them profit. And, and she was crying out behind them saying, these are the servants of the Most High God and they have come to show you the way of salvation. And on the surface, that's exactly what they were there to do. But Paul was seeing straight through this and he could tell that this was not good PR. But this was a mockery of what God had called them there to do authentically. And so he had put up with it apparently through the scripture. We can tell that he had put up with this for some days and, and uh, just ignored it. But on this particular day, Starbucks adopted Chick-fil-A's mentality. And he didn't have his coffee or something. I don't know what set him off on this particular day, but something welled up in Paul's spirit as he began to hear this mockery behind him. And his, in his fleshly frustration, if you will, he turns and he speaks to that spirit and casts it out of the young lady. Now let me just interject here. When your pursuit is the kingdom of God and the will of God, don't ever underestimate what God can do through your fleshly frustration. No, I'm not talking about having a short temper and throwing a hammer across the room whenever things don't go your way. But when your pursuit is the kingdom of God and you begin to feel the pressure of this life and the wickedness around us, it can drive you to a place of prayer that'll change the atmosphere and the spirit. And so he speaks to this spirit, casts it out of her, and apparently those who were using her were well connected in the city. And he winds himself and Silas up in a Philippian jail. Well, this doesn't really have anything to do with what they were trying to accomplish and what God had called them there to do, it appeared. And so they're feeling all this weight and pressure and wondering how this is going to all work out. I don't know what their justice system was back then, but, but no telling how long they would have been there. And in their discussions, apparently one of them must have said, what were we going to do anyway? And the other responded, we were going to pray. And so eventually they decided, why should this stop us? Let's go ahead and have that prayer meeting. And so they begin to pray and sing praises unto God. And it was about midnight, the Bible says, that the foundations of that jail begin to shake. And 
and their chains and their stocks were loosed and they were set free by the power of the Holy Ghost that night. And it was just a little while later that jailer and his entire house are baptized in Jesus' name. And that revival that had started with Lydia just a few days prior is continuing to spread throughout the city of Philippi. And a church was established right there in this city. All because a man caught a vision of a people who looked like they had everything together on the outside and were in need of nothing. They didn't need what Paul had to offer. They didn't need what the outside world could bring in. They were in need of nothing. But he was able to see through the eyes of the Spirit a heart that was crying out for a help that they didn't even understand. And so this became a very powerful church. It was a growing church. And Paul began to write letters back to this church that were so spirit-guided that they're part of our canon of Scripture today. In the book of Philippians, this was an amazing church that was established right here because Paul caught a vision and began to see these people as God saw them. So eventually... He moves across town to, or to the next town, rather, to a city called Thessalonica. Y'all probably call it Thessalonica. I'll forgive you. But he gets to Thessalonica, and he begins to reason with the Jews in the synagogue, which was what he usually did when he went into a town. He would start with the religious people, and he would test their openness to the word of God and, and to the truth. And, and so he was working with them. And the Bible says about those in uh, Thessalonica that some of them believed and some didn't. People are still people. It doesn't matter if it was in Paul's day and if Paul was the one preaching or if it's you sharing the gospel with somebody that you're connected to. Some are going to accept it and some aren't. But don't let those who aren't ready today keep you from finding those who are ready today because somebody wants this truth today. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And it's the responsibility of the church to find those who the Spirit is drawing today. Just give them time if they're not ready. And one day their, their nest is going to begin to begin to be stirred and their feathers are going to get ruffled as the Spirit begins to draw them. And you'll be available for those too. And so here he is in Thessalonica, and they, some of them believed, some didn't. And by the time that Paul had finished working with a religious people, Catch that. Some of them didn't like it, but the Bible says in Acts 17, 4, some of them believed of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few. And a church was established right there in the city of Thessalonica because a man caught a vision of a people who looked like they had everything together, but he was able to see through the eyes of the Spirit to a heart that was crying out for a help they didn't even understand. And so, the people, which didn't like what they heard, they tried to catch Paul and Silas again, try to put them back in prison. And so, the believers sent them out of town, and they went to a city called Berea. And here in Berea, they're facing a little bit different dynamic, as the Bible says that these were more noble than the, than the Thessalonians were, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Now, now we can. there's probably a fancy theological term for this, but 
Uh, I'll just use reverse psychology, okay? I'll read this scripture backwards. This tells me that if there's a comparison between the Thessalonians and the Bereans, that those in Thessalonica were not searching the scripture. They did not have a readiness of mind. They were not as open as the Bereans, but Paul still established a church in Thessalonica. It doesn't matter what odds you're facing. When you catch a vision from the Lord, you can see it come to pass. If you'll just believe it and stick with it, no barrier can stand against you and the church will triumph. Back to Berea. Sorry, I'm getting excited here. So in Berea, these people received the word with a readiness of mind. They were searching the scriptures. They loved everything Paul was teaching them. And a church was established right there. The Bible says about those in Berea, Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks, and of men not a few. And a church was established right there in Berea because a man caught a vision of a people who looked like they had it all together, but he was able to see through the eyes of the Spirit a heart that was crying out, for a help that they didn't even understand. And so eventually, they leave Berea and they go to Athens. Now, when you step into the city of Athens in that day and today, there is an elevated place. The highest point in the city is the Acropolis. And on top of the Acropolis was this enormous, breathtaking uh, temple to their goddess Athena. And, and just off to the side of this temple is another temple to their goddess Athena Niki. And, and then you step just off of the Acropolis and you uh, onto Mars Hill is what it's called. And you can look up and you can see the Acropolis and, and the temples they had placed up there. And then you can look down into the valley off to one side and you can see temple after temple after temple that they had built to every god that they could imagine. And as Paul was walking through Athens on one particular day, he's, he's, he realizes just who he's dealing with. These were a, a, a very educated people. They loved to sit and argue and philosophize, and they had all the answers to life's problems. If you just give them enough time and enough coffee, they can solve every problem. Not a whole lot has changed. And he, he knows what he's up against. And so he's looking at all of this. No doubt he's overwhelmed. But he notices something on this particular day as he passes a temple to the unknown God. And he says, this is their admittance that they don't know everything. And I'm going to use this to my advantage. So he steps on the Mars heel and he begins to talk with those very educated Athenians. And he says, you men of Athens, I perceive that you are in all things superstitious because you have built a temple to every God that you can imagine in your ancient poetry, including one to the unknown God. And I am sent here by him to tell you who he is. His name is Jesus, and he's the only God that you need. If you receive him, you will find that hope and that help that your heart is crying out for. And the Bible says when he had finished working with this very educated, sophisticated people that many of them didn't like what they heard, but others said, we want to hear more about this matter because Paul was able to see past that facade of you have nothing to tell us. And he was able to step out with a boldness and say, I see deep down in your heart, it's crying out for help and you don't even know what it's looking for. And so eventually he leaves Athens. And he goes to Corinth. Corinth 
is an hour and a half by car if you make it out of Athens with good traffic. I don't know particularly, the Bible unfortunately does not go into this great of detail. I don't know what kind of car Paul had. It's probably French. But then again, he made it. And the French cars are not usually the most reliable there. So I don't really know what kind of car he had. But it's, y'all know I'm kidding, right? (laughs) He really didn't have a car. Let me just share that with you. Don't go tell people that. So, it's not very far at all from Athens, but I wouldn't want to walk it like he probably did. So he gets to Corinth here, and he moves into the house of a couple of tent makers that he apparently had known from Rome in times past. And he was also a tent maker. He begins to, uh, again, work with the religious Jews there in the synagogue in that part of the city, and they were rejecting him entirely. They were not interested in what he had to tell them. And so, eventually, he moves across town to the house of justice, and he begins working with a little different dynamic of people. And and the, the people of Corinth, they had everything that they could ever want. If it was a pleasure, if it was a sin, if you could enjoy it, it was there in abundance in that day. There was no more sophisticated area of the world than that city was. They did all kinds of stuff that would probably turn your stomach if you knew it today. It was an astoundingly developed for that day uh, city. They, they were not a people that were needy. And they're, they're rejecting him at every turn. And he's feeling the discouragement as he begins to work with the next group. It was such a significant city that just moving across town would change the dynamic and the culture of those he was working with. And so he's still feeling this discouragement about the people of Corinth. And the Lord visits him again in Acts 18 and 9 and says, The Bible says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision and said, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And I know what it looks like, Paul. I know what you're feeling. I know the rejection and the hopelessness of these people that that you seem to be feeling and overwhelmed by right now. But just keep on teaching because I have much people in this city. Don't go by what you're seeing with your natural eyes. Just keep on sticking to the plan. Just keep on working through the vision and you're eventually going to find it. And Paul caught a hold of it on this day. And the Bible says he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And a church was established in the city of Corinth. All because a man caught a vision of a people who had everything together on the outside. But he was able to see through the eyes of the spirit that heart that was crying out out for a help they didn't even understand. And today, if you look at a Greek on the outside, they have everything that they need. They're in need of nothing. They have a rich history of power and victory in the world. They have a pride in their tradition that isn't rivaled by any other culture out there. But on the inside of every Greek, there's a heart that's crying out saying, somebody, please come and help us. No, they don't know what they need. They're not sure what they're searching for. But there is a heart cry that echoes through the night. We need help. We'll Somebody come and help us. We're empty on the inside. Our hearts are hurting. Will somebody love us beyond our history? Will somebody look beyond our past and see our needs? If you could uh, cut the stream for just a 
few moments. I'll I'm able to do so every time they go to the Orthodox Church and, and kiss the, the feet of a statue or kiss another painting or light another candle. It's a heart cry. Can somebody please come and help us? Can you hear the plea today? Can you feel the desperation of the Greek people? Somebody's got to go tell them this gospel that we have been blessed with. No, they don't know exactly what they need, but there is still a heart cry. And it takes a child of God who knows how to see people through the eyes of the spirit get a kingdom vision and begin to see that heart that heart cry that looks like they've got it all together on the outside but see past that facade can you hear the plea of your city today we have kids that are trying to change their genders because they're raised by a generation that is so messed up and lost without god that they think this is a negotiable aspect Don't mock them, just help them. They're crying out for somebody to help them. We have laws that are being passed that are trying to fix the result of sin. It's a cry for help. Please, somebody help us. Just reach them. We have schools that are being attacked every time we turn around. We have a morality crisis on every hand. We have an identity crisis among everybody. There's a political pressure to call me this or call me that. I don't want to identify with myself because I can't stand who I am. There's something in my heart that I can't seem to satisfy with anything else. Can anybody in this room hear it tonight? It's a cry for help. This world is begging for a child of God to see past the agenda, to see past your schedule and begin to hear that cry that every heart of every individual has that doesn't know God. The church has to awaken to the fact that this is not a political problem. This is not a political issue. You're not going to elect a different political party or a different politician and fix where our world is. It can't be done because what they're trying to fix is something that only God can fix. There's something in the heart of every individual that cannot be satisfied. It cannot be content unless God is filling it. They look like they've got it all together and things are going their way. They've got stuff. They've got positions, money. They've got the right truck in Texas. Welcome home. But deep down on the inside, they're crying out, saying, will somebody look beyond the facade and see my heart? I know I can't break down and tell you that because it would be showing weakness, but there's still a heart cry. And it takes a child of God to get a kingdom vision and begin to see people as God sees them. Paul, come over into Macedonia and help us. You pass over that scripture so fast, just like you can pass over the cry of the cashier that you saw today. I know it's not on your agenda, but if you'll begin to see us how God sees us, there's a church to be born. If you can see us how God sees us, there's an entire nation of churches to be born. I'll never forget, there in Cyprus, there's a festival that they have every year. Just in the village next to where we lived, there's an old, old church that parts of it date back to the 500s. And so it's a very famous place. And they have this festival every year where people, thousands of people gather from around that entire nation. And they come to that place and they stand all night long. Small children, 
infants, families, grandparents, great-grandparents, all they can do to move sometimes, but they're going to come to this festival and stand all night waiting to get inside. They'll open the doors on one side and open the doors on the other side, and they'll line the streets waiting to come in and kiss the icons. And what you'll see is these families, the young father taking his infant and laying it on the feet of a statue. Then you'll see a grandfather, a grandmother, pick up their year, two-year-old grandchild and they'll force their face onto that painting one after another after another. No emotion whatsoever. Just a hollow tradition. And if you look at it through a human perspective, I stepped back at that festival. I was in that church watching them from afar. I was stepped back maybe 30 feet and I was watching them file through by the hundreds and thousands. And the overwhelming feeling through human eyes is this is their tradition. This is their culture. They don't want what we have to offer. There's no way to penetrate this. If they're willing to do this standing all night long for two minutes in this place, that'll do nothing for them. (laughs) How am I going to ever get to them? Then I stepped back and began to ask God, how do you see these people? And all of a sudden, what I saw was that grandfather taking his little grandson. And what he's saying inside is, it's never worked for me. But maybe if I bring him younger than I came. And if he does it more often. And if he becomes better friends with the priest. Maybe it'll do for him what I've always wished it would do for me. And what I began to see was a people that are desperately crying out for help. Will somebody please come and help us? They won't do that. They won't stand there in misery all night long if there's not something telling them they're searching for something. People don't do that. But when your heart is desperate, for something to be filled that only God can give, it'll drive you to do, do things that are irrational. As we stand tonight, every time they go through the motions, they're crying out, Will somebody please come and help us? It's empty, there's nothing there for them. They don't show up at that church at all the rest of the year because there's nothing there for them. But they're still desperately crying out, will somebody show me? They're going through those traditions and those motions that are empty because it's all they know. They've never been told that there's a Holy Ghost that they can have that'll give them freedom that they've never known before. They've never been told that they can have their sins washed away in Jesus' name, baptism. 
And if you look around at your city today, there's religious people every time you turn around. And you're easy, it's easy to look at them and say, this is a tradition multiple generations deep. And they don't want what we have to offer. They're not interested in what we have. They're not hungry at all. They're content just like they are. But God is looking for somebody tonight that will say, God, will you begin to show me these people as you see them? I don't want to, be, want to be distracted by the facade of perfection. I don't want to be distracted by that, that facade of contentment. But let me see them as you see them. Let me feel their desperation every time I come in contact with them, God. Let's talk to the Lord tonight. I'm going to turn this service back over to Pastor. But why don't we just talk to the Lord and help, ask Him to help us see people as He sees them tonight. God, don't let us get distracted by the, by the lack of hunger on the surface, but help us to be people that are spirit-led, that can see through the eyes of the Spirit and see that heart that is desperate. Birth that burden deep down in our spirits, God. Birth that burden in our spirits that we can't let them go, but we're going to see past that facade. Praise God. Why don't you join me here at the altar for just a few moments? I really feel the tug of the Holy Ghost on us tonight. Every community, every home, every neighborhood, every job, there are people that we come in contact with every day of our lives. And as he said, on the outside, they look like they have everything. And they put on such a show trying to impress you with what they have. But there comes a moment when the facade is pulled back and on the inside is an empty crying soul saying, somebody help me, somebody. I want us to pray tonight. First of all, your equipment problem is solved tonight. Whatever that total 11,000, we're going we're gonna to give that. We'll give that to you tonight. Because I feel like that is, when I look at that, I see all of Europe was impacted by the things that happened in that small area of the world because somebody caught a vision. They had eyes to see one need. Come over and help us. Come over and help us. You don't have to be super qualified to help somebody. Sometimes just coming is a solution to the problem. But all of Europe is a place just like Greece. We were in Prague just a few years ago. And Prague is known as the city of cathedrals. There are 13 of the largest cathedrals. The smallest one would be four or five of our church footprint. And they're empty they're only show places. They're museums. They're places for foreigners to come and visit. Nobody comes to them for worship anymore. And at one time, all of Europe was shaken by an apostolic revival. And it started with men like Paul that were willing to hear 
and see what God was doing beyond what we as a human could see. And I can see that again. Somehow before God comes, there's got to be a fire that's reignited. And I prayed tonight, God, you can bring back those cities from the ruins. You can revive a work in the end that will bring those churches that birthed this church revival, you can bring them back to life. I believe there's that I I believe that's already there, that God's already seen the future before it ever comes. He knows the end from the beginning, as we were reminded this morning. So he knows what the exact footprint is going to be of the end time. And I believe it's going to be a lot larger than we think it is. It's going to be a lot quicker than we think it is. And people just like this man, very educated, you think they don't, they're not interested. They don't believe anything about God but the reality is the more they follow that path of unbelief the more it leads them back to a hunger for something to believe in come on let's pray tonight God let us be a part of something not only in the foreign fields but in our own community God would you touch us with eyes that see and ears that can hear your voice Lord there are men and women in our community that are coming and they're saying come over and help us oh Lord I pray that you will help us see our community and see Lord the work environment that we work in in a different way that there's an opportunity there for us to be a light to somebody and let that light become a spark oh Lord that will send revival around our community and families will be saved oh in the name of Jesus generational curses will be broken oh yes Lord because we were willing to respond to to a cry come over and help us Come over and help us. Oh, oh, yes, Lord. I want my eyes to be touched, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, Brother Reeves, you touched on something that really struck a note in my heart about the culture that we live in in America right now. It is such a politically divided uh, structure, culture. And, you know, we're we're hearing every day the lambasting of both. and, And what I've noticed in my own heart is that when I think about somebody that's on the opposite spectrum of me I don't view them in the same way I do people on the spectrum that I I'm on you know I'm not going you know we we want to label people Republicans or Democrats and if they're against us or they're on the other side we detest them and yet the reality is all of those confused souls 
still are crying out, somebody come over and help me. Even when we see in our culture those things that are revulsive to us, the gender changes that are happening, and the way even in our elementary schools, there's no hiding of it anymore. The parents are encouraging their children to come forth in public schools and, 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 it, and acknowledge that they are gender neutral. They're not a boy or a girl. They don't know what they are yet. And when we hear that, we're, there's something inside of us that just think that's so That's so horrible. And it is horrible. But the reality is what's behind that is that cry that came from Macedonia. I really do need help. And I prayed while he was preaching, God, I want you to help me because I can get pretty prejudiced sometimes when it comes to that kind of stuff. God, I want you to change the way I look at those people because they're going to spend eternity somewhere too. And I don't want just Republicans in heaven. I'm just being funny. <laughs> Come on, relax. I'm, I'm not pushing a political party tonight. But you know what I mean. There's something that's moving in our world right now. And it's underneath the seething pot of unrest and turmoil. And it's a simple cry. Somebody, 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 somebody help me. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, brother and sister Reeves. I don't know how to express how deeply I feel moved in the Holy Ghost tonight. And I'm praying. I love missions, but I want to tell you what. I feel something very strong here tonight in this place. And I believe that our prayers need to be lifting up for them, their family, a wonderful, wonderful family. And I believe God has ordained for them to be where they are to meet the needs that are in that country and Greater Life Church will be a part of that. We will be one of those sponsors and there may be many others in here that would want to join them uh, on a monthly commitment. But we want to see them uh, back on the field as quickly as possible. And wouldn't it be great if they could leave before the end of the year? Wouldn't it be great... I know they've got family here in the States, but wouldn't it be awesome that before the month of October was out, they were already making plans to pack their stuff and head back to where God has called them. Thank you, Brother and Sister Reeves, for sharing your heart and for coming to be with Greater Life Church tonight. And uh, go by the display table. give a gift you know what's a wonderful thing to do missionary kids are sometimes the ones that are forgotten i'm gonna give them both a hundred dollars but if you feel led to give them a little money spending money every kid needs some spending money while they're on the road go ahead and put some money in their pocket 
Amen. Mom and dad's going to get their offering. That's all right. But these little ones, I, I want to bless them too. In the name of Jesus. Love somebody near you. Tell them how good God's been to you. And you're dismissed. We'll see you here Wednesday night.